Dagon's Illusion, Episode 42, Ellison Carter's Diary Entry, September 15, 2005. Why has life turned into hell? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. I saw it. I flew over it. Endlessly we circled and I couldn't stop crying. I saw people standing on roofs, waving shirts, screaming words that I couldn't hear yet understood. I saw them wading through a sewer the size of a city. I saw them waiting on bridges and highways, exhausted, mothers with babies, old people, children. And I cried because there was nothing I could do. Above it all in my memory I saw her dancing. Her hair, her soulless face, her beautiful, terrifying eyes. It was real. She was real. I know it. My father saw her, though he never wants to speak of it again. Why did she come? Who sent her? Was she an avenging angel of God or a beast from the pit of hell? Or is there any difference? And why was I given this vision of insanity? The night after the storm, I had a terrible dream. High above America, I saw a great cup hanging in the sky and rivers of blood were pouring down its sides. Without knowing how, I knew what it was. For every nation, there is a cup and every act of evil adds a single drop of blood. When it overflows, the angels of hell take control. How long has the blood been overflowing in America? And why was I shown these awful things? Why was I taken into the dead city to see the dragon fall? I don't want to know any of this. I refuse to know it. I'll make myself forget. I just want to live a quiet life and be left alone to drink my lattes, to go to the gym, to read books, to listen to music, spend time with my friends, get married, have children, make money, and die of old age in a bed surrounded by the people I love. Gone. Vanished. All of it. In my heart I know that my beautiful dreams are dead and to cling to them will only bring despair. But how am I to live when the center is collapsing? What should I hope for? What should I believe in? My soul is twisted. What I thought was real is turned to dust. Even my father and mother, so normal in their boring ignorance, insist on growing weirder every day. My mother has taken to studying theosophy and babbles about ascended masters. The more she studies, the more the darkness grows in her eyes. And my father, suddenly he buys every book he can find on the Bilderbergers, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, and the Loosest Trust. He's decided to become a mason to spy on what they are doing. Has everyone gone insane? The answer to that is yes and I'm going right along with them. Two days ago I saw her. I'm sure of it. And where? In a graveyard? On a dark and misty street in the French Quarter? No. I saw her in a Walmart. At least I think I saw her, but I'm not sure of anything anymore. I was buying clothes for children made homeless by the storm. I passed a mirror, and there she was. God help me, she was standing two feet away, but I couldn't see her except in the glass, this eerie monster in a crowd of mothers and little kids. She looked exactly like me except for her eyes. When she knew that I had seen her, she smiled, the bitch. I yelled, Jesus, and instantly she disappeared. Of course, all the mothers gave me dirty looks and hustled their children away. One of them walked up and handed me a religious tract. I apologized, mumbling to her that I had Tourette's. 
which led her to invite me to a deliverance meeting for demon-possessed people at her church. As insane as I feel, I'm inclined to go. Maybe it would make this thing leave me alone. I couldn't help thinking that it's hunting me. And like an animal chased for miles, I feel myself growing weaker. And what to do about Robert? He has become the weirdest of all. Something happened to him the night of the storm. He's not the same. I've been through a lot of crap with him. He changed so much when he was in prison, but this is different and even worse. He's always been very private, but now there is a thick veil between us. I'm not sure he trusts me anymore. Maybe we're coming to the end of our partnership. I don't know. And Eustace. Even Eustace has changed. He's filled with a terrible sorrow. The childish anger is gone. As much as I hated it, now I wish it would come back. It's as though he's suddenly searching for something that he can't find. Maybe it's the loss of his home. It was totally destroyed in the flood and he has never done well with change. But I think there's more. I'm scared. I'm really scared. There's been some kind of shift in reality, and all of it is heading someplace. It forces me to look back at my life and ask painful questions. When I was a child, I used to pray all the time. A lot of that was because of the terrible things I was experiencing. When they stopped, gradually I stopped praying. In high school, I stopped thinking of myself as a Christian. I'd say that I was spiritual, but not religious. I was sure you didn't have to be religious to be good, and I was good. While my friends were smoking dope and screwing anything with pants, I was hellishly moral. Maybe it was the residue of my childhood faith, but I actually wanted to be a virgin when I got married. Then I went off to college. Do you know how many virgins there are at Vassar? When I came home at the end of the first year, it felt like I had a scarlet V tattooed on my forehead, and it wasn't the first letter of my school. From wanting to stay a virgin, I hated being a virgin. It felt like I couldn't become a woman until I was rid of that curse. Most of my professors were grim academic lesbians. For them, vaginas were the intellectual and spiritual center of the universe, to be entered as though they were pagan temples of the mother goddess, forever unpolluted by the corruption of the male. I knew I couldn't go that route. But maybe getting screwed in an act of cold rebellion was middle ground. So I gritted my teeth and figured out a way to rid myself of my horrible burden. And I was very judicious in the plan. I didn't want it to be personal. I wanted it to be mechanical, even surgical, unencumbered by the slightest risk of feeling. In order to accomplish that, I couldn't know or care about the male who performed the act. No friends or acquaintances, too much potential for emotional slopover. I wanted an anonymous penis. Get in. Get out, and I never want to see you again. In just one year at Vassar, I had been well-educated. I knew that a serious relationship would get in the way of the important things in life, one of which was indulging in sacramental orgasm for no other reason than the joy of narcissism. But to reach that stratosphere of consecrated sensuality, there was this minor rite of passage. During my year at Vassar, I had determined that getting rid of my virginity was like popping an embarrassing teenage pimple. If it could be accomplished during the summer, I could go back to college able to screw with impunity just like all my sophisticated friends. So I approached the task with a military dedication. My vagina was the stronghold to be conquered, and defending it was the enemy hymen. As always, my strategy was brilliant. 
After careful thought, I chose the battlefield. An Amway convention. Before you laugh, think about it. Where else would you go to find truly clean men? I discovered that an Amway convention was going to be held in Houston, just close enough yet far enough away. So I went. Can you imagine the nauseating snobbery of a Vassar woman sitting in that rah-rah circus of detergent diluted inanity? The audience was huge, but immediately I confronted an unexpected problem. For some damnable reason, being an Amway dealer seemed to demand marriage. The place was crammed with little married couples exuberantly dedicated to making the world a cleaner place. For a whole day I searched, sitting through endless seminars led by plump ladies and bald-headed men. With great care I scanned each audience until I found my prey. A reasonably attractive, clean-looking man, unprotected by a female presence. My approach was impeccable. I invited him out for dinner, telling him that I was new to Amway and needed help getting started. All men thirst to be teachers, and there's no one they like to teach more than a beautiful woman. So I got him drunk, and after that, everything was easy. What was it like? Was it mechanical, surgical, without emotion? Hell no. It was painful, degrading, and vile. And if disgust is an emotion, it was sopped with intensity. While I lay there, I couldn't help thinking that I was raping this nice man who smelled so very, very clean. Dear God, I wanted to jump up and run screaming. Finally, he went to sleep. But I didn't sleep. Sleeping wasn't part of the plan. In the middle of the night, I slid out of bed, quietly dressed, and packed the last of my things. The guy never stirred. Before I left, I scanned the room with a tiny flashlight to make sure there was no residue of my presence. It was then that I saw it. On a table lay his open wallet. In it was the picture of a pretty woman with two cute little kids. I knew he was married. I'd seen the ring, but it hadn't mattered. I didn't want to keep him, just borrow him for a night. The faces in that picture froze me. In one instant, the act had ceased to be anonymous, and I cried all the way home. That night, I traded a light burden for a heavy one, a selfish annoyance for a broken heart. I couldn't get that woman's face out of my mind. Would she ever find out? Would he feel so guilty that he would tell her and break her heart? Or was this the kind of thing he did all the time, and I had just helped him along on the road to hell? And what about his children? Even if they never found out, it would change his heart toward their mother. And that would change their lives. Oh, of course I prayed and said that I was sorry and I would never do it again. But by that point, I didn't have a clear idea of who I was praying to. So I had accomplished my goal. I wasn't a virgin. I could feel the change in my body. I was sore. But when I looked in the mirror, the real change was in my eyes. Going back to Vassar, I would be like all the women in my sorority. We really were sisters now, pledged to the torn flesh and the hardened soul. As one of them, I went forward to succeed in the world. But my ability to trust had been shattered. In a way that I couldn't have imagined, my eyes had been opened to darkness and I began to see it everywhere. I haven't slept with many men. Each time I did, it led to revulsion. None of them were good enough, or strong enough, or handsome enough, or smart enough, or love me enough to break the steel hymen that had grown around my heart. And where was God in all of this? Where is He now? I'm afraid to know the answer because I'm afraid of Him. The truth? 
He is too masculine, and not all the vapid babbling about the motherhood of God can fool me for a moment. Oh, I use his name when I'm frightened. I scream it and run, but that's as close as I want him to get. If I allow him in my life, I know what will happen. He will see me naked. And that I cannot allow, not since the night of the Amway man. Now, in the terror that is coming, how I want to be a child again, to pray and trust and not be afraid. But I don't know how. God help me. No, God, don't help me. Stay away. Except when I'm in trouble. But I'm in trouble now. Jesus, where are you? I'm sitting on the curb, waiting.